Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. And I want to start off by telling you guys why Mandy and I go to this church. And first of all, can I just say that my wife is the most incredible woman. (laughs) Babe, I love you. I can honestly say that you are the most incredible woman I've ever met in my whole life. You're my best friend. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the hard things you push through. Most of them are because of me, but I love you with all my heart. Um, But the reason, I want to start off with the reason why my wife and I go to this church. Like, yes, it's a great church, and yes, there's great people, and yes, there's great music, but all of that, it fades in comparison to the underlying attractiveness to this church, at least for me. There's a principle that this church is built on. that It's it's in our mission statement, and I'm going to read it. If you don't know what our mission statement is, go out in the lobby after this, buy a Bible in the year, open the cover, it's right there. So you can read it every day. Um, But our, our mission statement is to save the lost, period. Has anybody read it? That's not the mission statement. It's to save the lost, comma. And I love the comma, because if it wasn't for the comma, I I wouldn't have accelerated like I have. I wouldn't have the blessings in my life. It's to save the lost, comma, make disciples, develop leaders, transforming people, cities, and cultures in Christ. Our underlying principle here, the, the, the measuring stick by which we test how well we're doing as a church is the acceleration and the transformation of people's lives. If people can come in one way, broken, hurting, sick, diseased, and can leave another, then we're doing what we're supposed to be doing here. If people can come in struggling to pay the bills and leave dropping $1,000 in the offering, that is an amazing transformation of the mind, of how we see finances, of how we see our God. So I'm just so grateful to Pastor Jurgen and Leanne for creating a culture and an atmosphere where we can grow, where like the Hunleys, we can keep getting better and better looking every year just by sitting in this house. Um, All right, all joking aside, I'm going to dive into my message because I've got a lot to unpack, so please stick with me. It'll only be about an hour and a half, and then I'll be done, I promise. Um, The title of my message tonight is is called The Blessed Life, and as kind of I was alluding to, with the culture of this house that accelerates people, we'll often see people walking around and be like, man, they seem really blessed, like they've got a lot of blessing in their life, or you'll ask someone how they're doing, and they'll be like, oh, I'm blessed, I'm, I'm super blessed. And to be honest, sometimes it can maybe cause some frustration because you're like, man, I see that you're blessed. Wish some of that blessing would fall my way. You can, you can tend to, at least I can, maybe, maybe nobody else is like this, but you can tend to be like, man, look at what I'm missing. So what I want to talk about tonight, what I'm going to dive into in this message, The Blessed Life, is a, I'm going to teach on a passage of scripture that's been really impactful in my world. It's been really impactful in my day-to-day And I hope that I can unlock some things for each of you in your day-to-day walk that can help us go from the life where we're looking at what we don't have to the life where we're sitting in the blessing that God has for us. Is that all right? Um, A few years back, I had a mentor tell me, almost like a direction, you need to start memorizing scripture. You need to go find it. And I don't mean like memorize Jesus wept. Like, I mean, go into a passage, a block of scripture, memorize it, get it in your soul, get it in your spirit, get it in your narrative 
so that when you speak, you're speaking the word of God over your situation. And so I'm going to teach on this scripture. This has easily been the most rehearsed thing in my mind over the last 10 years. It's been the most read scripture that I've ever had. And it's um, Psalms 1. It'll probably be up on the screen. Um, I don't need to read it because I know it so well, but um, it's from the 1984 version of the NIV before they changed it. (laughs) Keynote there, hey, I don't want to argue with anybody about biblical translations, but it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates both day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water who yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like the chaff that blows away with the wind. Therefore, the wicked will not stand the judgment, nor sinners in the council or the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. This has been, I repeat it over and over, when I'm out having fun, when I'm having a rough day, when I'm having a great day, this is what's running in my mind. If I don't know what to think about, if I have a negative thought, I just run this. I just run it on repeat. Um, and it's done so much for me. I love, I love how the chapter's put together. Like David was called a man after God's own heart. And I think it was because he understood some things that maybe the other common men of his day didn't understand. He understood what it meant to get into the blessing of God. Like there's a difference between, Pastor Jurgen talked about it this morning at staff actually. And if you get a chance, go listen to Pastor Jurgen's leadership podcast because it'll be on there in a couple of days. But He talked about the difference between God as our provider who provides our things and God as our blesser. And it moving, he wants us to move from God as my provider to standing in the blessings that God had for us. And I think that David locked into this. He understood this. And he opens up Psalms, which is one of the most incredible books, 150 different Psalms, with this one six-verse chapter that talked about the blessed life and talked about getting into the blessed life. So the way I break it down, I'm very structural in my nature. Um, The first three verses are about the blessed man, about the righteous man. The next two are about the wicked, so that we can compare and contrast. But I love how David starts out with what the righteous man is not. He talks, he says, blessed is the man who does not, and then he lists a few things. I think so often in life we can get caught up on what something is, what someone is. Like, what does it take to be a great wife? What does it take to be an emerged man? And you think like this list is so overwhelming. Like, how am I ever going to live up to that? But I think God likes to make it a bit more simple for us. And there's so much more to be said about what a thing is not than what a thing is. And it's, it's why there's, you know, it's literally the definition of the process of elimination. It's removing things from a set of options based on what they're not. And so... Like, uh, there's another term that um, if you're a mathematician or an engineer, it will probably drive you up the wall. It's addition by subtraction. And just the juxtaposition that's contained within that sentence hurts me sometimes. But I'm going to use it in this message. Uh, Addition by subtraction. There's a, a study done at the University of Virginia that showed that, in general, people systematically default, just generally, systematically default Um, to searching for additive transformations and tend to neglect what's called subtractive transformations. 
And that in general, the subtractive transformations are way more effective to the transformation that they're looking for than the additive. And I think that's a result of our society. We want to add, I, I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to read this book, and I need to go to this place and do this thing. When in reality, the transformation we're looking for is simply on subtracting something. Like, and I think that this is the concept that David got way ahead of his time. He didn't need a whole research institute to do it. He just needed a connection with God. So I want to dive into it a little bit, if that's okay. Um, my first point is live and think intentionally. Live and think intentionally. The chapter starts out in verse 1 by saying, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. I love how specific the language is. Walk, stand, and sit are the three things that you do almost 100% of your life that you're not sleeping. So what, what he's speaking to here is the common life. He's saying the day-to-day, -day, the getting up, eating breakfast, going to work, coming home, eating dinner, taking a shower, going to bed, repeat. He's not talking about when you're in the seats at church, when you're all holy. and He's not talking about anything else except the day-to-day -day life. And he's saying, the blessed man does not do this one main thing. Because there's, there's some things that, you know, we talked about, I talked about the subtractive uh, transformation. There's some things that you cannot have, that God cannot bless unless you have gotten rid of them. Because there's things that God can't bless. It's in his nature. And I think that we can get, you know, we can get caught up in like, all right, an emerged man is, are these 14 things? Uh, oh, by the way, Pastor Juergen wrote an amazing book called Emerge, and it lists the 14 principles of what an emerged man is. Go pre-order it. It's amazing. But I want to talk about that because if you hit all 14 principles, and I got a, a lineup of five guys that hit all 14 principles, and I'm asked who's going to live the blessed life, I'm going to ask which one of them does not have this principle. Because an emerged man you can list all the characteristics of what a merge man is. I bet that that emerge man's wife can list the one characteristic that a merge man is not. And I say that to be a little poking because there's, there's always those one thing, like you can, you can do all the date nights and all the gifts and all the things, but if you still have that one area and that you didn't take away, that you didn't surrender before God, it, it, it can cause you to miss the blessing. So I love how what, what David is talking about here is how we walk how we stand, how we sit. The counsel that we live under in our day-to-day -day life is really imperative to the growth that we have. It says, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And look, I'll, I wanna kind of throw myself under the bus. I've been guilty of this before, of saying things like, well, man, I just, you know, nobody's counseling me. Nobody's, I wanna be counseled. I wish somebody would counsel me like they're counseling that other guy. And I look in comparison and look through that lens. But what I'll tell you is that without fail, and whether you like it or not, we're always being counseled or discipled by something or someone. And I want to take a moment to, to honor somebody and call him out uh, in this congregation. I told him I was going to do it, and he, I think he thought I was joking. But uh, Andy Sibley is sitting in the back row. I call him Coach Andy. He's my daughter's softball coach. Something you did, Andy. Andy, Andy and Nicole, if you guys don't know Andy and Nicole, you need to meet them. They're amazing. Uh, my wife and I love you guys so much. We're, we're going to Hero with them this year, but... Something Andy shared with my wife recently, he said, they're newer to this church, and he said, when I got here, I downloaded the app, and I just started listening to the messages. And what I found happened was I was more pleasant to be around. I was kinder. I was less sharp. I liked who I was. 
And Andy, I want to honor you, man, because what you did is you, you got rid of the counsel of the world and you started bringing in some new counsel. You started shifting just one degree. And you guys are about to enter into a season of blessing in your life that's going to shock you, that's going to, it's going to impact your kid's life, your neighbor's life. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you guys. Love you both so much. Um, okay, I got to get going here. The, the second part in that verse, verse two says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on this law he meditates both day and night. That's talking to how we think. And we can get into the, the context of, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. That's also counsel that we're sitting under, right? And it's not of God, it's not life-giving. Um, it, it's important that you know, and I want to talk about what this doesn't mean. To delight in the law of the Lord doesn't mean, hey, sorry, I can't, uh, I can't hang out with you guys on Thursday because I'm going to be studying the law of the Lord. <laughs> nope, nope, sorry, I can't watch the basketball game, Pastor Michael, because I'm studying. I'm reading through the Levitical laws for the 15th time. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. It's talking about bringing the, the word of God into your everyday life and just delighting in it. The word of God is, it's called the alive word of God because there's both the written word, which is the logos, and the rhema word, which is the revelation for today. And you can read the same verse that I read and get a different revelation. And that's on purpose. That's where the delight is. It's like, hey, Lord, what do you have for me today? How can I read this one verse? It's why it's so critical for me, at least, that I memorize scripture. Because then when I'm sitting in the middle of a river in Montana fly fishing, which is my favorite thing to do, I can be quoting my scripture. I can be bringing God into the things I delight and delighting in his law while I'm doing the things that I delight. Is that okay? So get the word in you. Meditate on it. Live out that life in the wise counsel and let it transform you from the inside out. My point number two, and this is kind of a funny one, but be like a tree. Be like a tree. Verse three says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, and whatever he does prospers. I love the picture of a tree and the analogy of a tree. When you look at a river from a topographical viewpoint, all of the stuff around it is green. All of the trees, when you look from a horizontal viewpoint, are taller, closer to the river. And what I want to encourage you with is get planted in this house. This house is a river of life. Get planted here. Let your roots go deep. Do the hard stuff of pushing roots through ground. Like, do the hard work. Let this place really absorb into you so that you can step into that blessed life. That is why Christ sent out his disciples and said, go, in, go into all the world and create disciples. We planted churches in order to create disciples. So I want to encourage you to, to not be what I call a potted tree. Potted trees have limitations to how much their roots can grow. They can also move really quickly. A planted tree, it's really difficult to move. A potted tree can go at any point. When it gets hard, you can pick up the potted tree and move it to a different spot. But that pot limits how much the roots can grow. It limits how high the tree can grow. And I've heard people say, and to be honest, I've, I've probably said a lot, I feel like I'm hitting a block. Like my leadership level isn't where I want it to be. My marriage isn't where I want it to be. I feel like I'm hitting a block. And can you pray for me and just cast this demon off? And look, I'm, I'm not neglecting the, the serious 
impact of demonic oppression. And if, if that's something you're going through, I don't mean to, to marginalize it. We have an amazing ministry team here that can help you get inner healing and help you grow from any kind of past hurt or really severe demonic oppression. But what I am trying to highlight here is that not everything in life is a demon. There's not a demon hiding under every rock. Sometimes we're hitting that ceiling and missing that breakthrough because of things we've done or are not doing that we just need to do a little bit differently. Sometimes we're potted in a plant. We're like, I don't know about that Michael Hunley. I don't know yet. Need one more month and then I'll find out. You know, we're, we're, whatever it may be, I, I'm, obviously I make a joke, but something doesn't quite prevent us or doesn't quite allow us to dig in. And I want to encourage you, don't be a potted plant. Plant your roots here. Serve here. Find your best friends here like I have. Grow in your marriage here. Like get under some discipleship here. Get into women's prayer on Thursday mornings, tomorrow morning, ladies, and find your best friend. Um, I'm not, I'm doing okay. Here we go. Um, I love how the, like I said, how the Bible uses this tree analogy. It's in another place. 300 years roughly after the life of David, the prophet Jeremiah wrote these words, and I want you to hear the similarities. In uh, Jeremiah 17, 8, it'll be up on the screen. He said, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, that does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. I love how both the king, David, and the prophet Jeremiah got the same revelation from God. And sure, Jeremiah probably read the king's words, but it's the same revelation. It's the same points. And the next two things that are in both verses are the fruit and the leaves. The fruit and the leaves. And they're different and, and distinguished for a reason. Fruit is the thing that the tree produces that can be consumed for food. It can be sold for money. It can be traded for other goods. Fruit talks to, to something that's produced. It's where the tree draws in nutrients. It draws in water from the river that it's around and it produces something. And I'll tell you that each of our lives as Christians is here to produce. We are called to be producers. We're literally made to be a producer. It's why Pathfinders is a critical ministry in this church because we have to produce. If you don't see yourself as a producer, I wanna encourage you to challenge that tonight. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 85. We are producers. We need to produce. God blessed Abraham, and when he did, he said, I bless you so that you are a blessing to those around you. Literally, he didn't say, I bless you so that you sit and hold all this and be powerful. I bless you so that you can produce and bless others. So we have to produce, and the production of fruit on a tree is cyclical, right? It's, you produce fruit, it's taken off, it's consumed, or it's used, it's spent, and then it comes back again. And every year it reproduces fruit. So that's the piece of fruit. The leaves, I think, are a critical point that we might overlook in these verses, and it's one of my favorites. It says the leaves never wither, and the leaves are always green. When you think about a tree, a full-grown, beautiful tree, you think awesome shade space, beautiful, picturesque. It is not the tree that provides shade or the beautiful, picturesque scenery. It's the leaves. When you think about a scary Halloween scene, you see a tree with no leaves and a pile of dead leaves underneath it, right? It's not the tree that produces the picture. And what this speaks to is it speaks to our attitudes, our atmosphere, our day-to-day -day life. And what it's saying is when you're blessed, when you live a blessed life, what you're doing is you're drawing in nutrients. The leaves aren't green because you painted them green every day. 
They're green because you drew in nutrients from around you. In this context, you drew in life from this house. When you were going through a tough time and your leaves wanted to fade, you showed up here on the altar and when the book of miracles came out, you raised your hand. When you were going through a tough time with your kids at home, Kelly Isaacs, you came and you dealt with it here and you put a smile on your face and you said, there's no way I'm not letting my leaves be green. There's no way I'm letting the enemy rob me of my leaves being green. I'm proud of you. Um, you know, one of the things that can happen is uh, forest fires. And when you look at forest fires, generally the trees that are by the river are either unharmed or they grow back the fastest. Leaves can get scorched. But what this, what this verse says to me is when you're planted by the river, even the fire, like if Jeremiah said it, even, even the, the tree does not fear when the heat comes. Even when the heat comes, you know that you're planted. You know that your roots go down deep. You know that even if those leaves get a little brown, even if I get a little short with my kids, I know that I'm gonna draw in life and I'm gonna put out more. And so continue to keep yourself planted. Check, your, check the condition of your leaves. Check the, I've had people tell me, I can't believe you smile all the time. Why do you smile all the time? And I used to be like, it's just who I am, just how I was made. But it's not. It's because I got a hold of this concept that if there's enough God in me, I can't help but smile. If there's enough life on the inside of me, I can't help but smile. And if I'm not smiling, if I'm not joyful, if I'm not expressing, I need to go back to my quiet place. I need to go back to the word and I need to get more of it in, inside of me. Um, my point number three, and this is probably one of my favorite points, make chaff, don't be chaff. Make chaff, don't be chaff. So the, into, the, last, into the, the second two verses, verse uh, four and five, it says, not so the wicked. Again, David does the same thing. He addresses what the thing is not first. And he says, all this stuff I talked about, about being planted, about being rooted, about producing good fruit and having leaves, the wicked are not that. So if you're wondering today if you're wicked, just look at what it's not. If you're planted in this house, which I see everybody here is, you're good. But I love, I love how, you know, and I say that on purpose because I definitely in my life I've read the wicked X, Y, Z, and I'm like, man, I wonder if I'm, I wonder if I'm bad. Like, I wonder, as a kid, I used to wonder all the time, I wonder if like this talking about me. And I want to tell you today, it's not talking about you. You are not the wicked. So that's for somebody. I don't know who, but that's for somebody. And I'd, I'd encourage whoever felt that hit home to come get prayer afterwards today. Um, okay, so he first addresses what the wicked is not. He says, not so the wicked, but they are like the chaff that blow away with the wind. And I think it's unique. The Bible uses the term chaff to talk about wicked people quite often. And what, it, what it's basically saying is the wicked they're not rooted. They're not planted. The storms of life come, the winds of change, like changing jobs or changing circumstances, the wind can just blow the chaff away. And I wanna, it's, it's essentially saying that the wicked aren't planted. Like they have a hard time come in life and instead of showing up at men's prayer, they back away. Instead of coming on a Wednesday night when they had a really tough Wednesday, they just stay home. And it's why I wanna, like I love people like Elisa Flores, like Will and Kayla Turner, like the Virillis, who have for over a decade 
through a lot of hard life situations, kept showing up, kept showing up, kept serving, kept pressing in. I honor you guys. Like, that's amazing. And I want to be around you more because of it. Um, in, the, in the vein of make chaff, don't be chaff. My, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, uh, I, I call it my favorite pump-up verse, is Isaiah 41, 15. And it says, behold, this is God talking to the children of Israel. They're, they're scared, they're in a rough place. And he says, behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and make the hills like chaff. And what God has really shown me, I get so excited when I read that, like I get fired up. But there's points in our life, at least there's been in my life, where I'll face a precipice, a turning point, where I get to decide, is this thing gonna blow me? Is it, is it gonna like scatter me like chaff? Or am I gonna go after that thing? Am I gonna go after that thing? I've seen, it's why I honor these men and women that show up at men's prayer when they're going through the battle of their life. And say, look, I'm like, I'm in it right now. And I'm be honest, I'm struggling, but I'm going to beat that thing to chaff. And I need my brothers and I need my sisters alongside me because I'm not going to, I'm not going to be blown around by it. I'm not going to be pushed around by what's going on in the world. I'm going to beat that thing to chaff. Um, one, uh, one of my favorite quotes, it's by a, an Irish playwright named George Bernard Shaw. He was in the turn of the century between the 1800s and the 1900s. He was probably, I call him the James Cameron of his day. So he was writing scripts for entertainment for people. And in this he wrote, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The world that he lives in, whether it's a good world or a bad world, the reasonable man will adapt himself to the world that he lives in. The unreasonable man is persistent in trying to adapt the world to himself. And then he says something that I think is pivotal. He says, therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. And I think, you know, in a moment here, Pastor Mike, I'll turn over to Pastor Michael. He'll come up and give you an opportunity to come up and get prayer. And if, if anything sat with you, I want to encourage you, come up and get prayer. And come up and, and don't let this be the place where you know, where you take that thing and walk with it one more week. Let this be the place where you lay it down. But I want to I wanna leave you with this thought. Some of the things in our Christian walk, and to be honest for some of you, maybe some of the things I've said today can seem unreasonable. Like produce fruit every season, in and out of season. Leaves green all the time. That's, that's unreasonable. That's, that's a bit unreasonable. Beat the mountains you don't know my mountain. I gotta tell you tonight, God does. He knows your mountain, he sees it, and he's given you the tools, he's equipped you to go after that thing, to punch it in the face and say, not today. But it may seem right now in the moment unreasonable. It may feel unreasonable. But I wanna tell you, I rewrote this for, for my life and, and for our current age, and I have found that the reasonable Christian the reasonable son or daughter of God adapt to the carnal world. The reasonable, maybe I could put a word in there, the woke Christian adapts to what the world says is right or wrong. 
And I'm going to be a little aggressive here. That woke Christian says, well, this is what the world says is right, so I'm going to adapt to it. When they get a doctor's report, they say, well, the doctor went to school, so I'm going to adapt to what they said. And I think that it's one of the things that excites me about this church is we don't have a reasonable Christian pastor. We don't sit under reasonable Christian leaders. I am so excited to be part of an unreasonable spiritual church that says, yes, I can own a home in San Diego. That says, yes, I can own two. That says, yes, I can own three. I'm proud to be part of a church that says, I don't care if my marriage is on the rocks. Yes, I can have a great marriage. Yes, I can be a great parent to my kid, even if I haven't in the past. The unreasonable Christian adapts themselves to the carnal world. Or sorry, the reasonable Christian adapts themselves to the carnal world. But the unreasonable Christian adapts the world to the vision that God's placed on their heart. And I would say, I would challenge you in this, all spiritual growth, all kingdom progress, all taking ground for the kingdom and advancing God's movement on our earth requires the unreasonable Christian to step up. So today I wanna empower you and encourage you be a little bit unreasonable. Thank you very much. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.